And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Buff Bourguignon, French beef stew in red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce. It's a perfectly delicious dish. So we could put in a little more tomato paste or a little more thyme. In this case, we're fortunately find it's just right. Now for the thickening of it. Now we want to get our pan hot and we're going to saute it in this first until it's brown and then we're going to put it in this pot in which we're going to cook it in the oven. Now this is going to go in a 325 oven and it's very, very slowly, just at the bare simmer. And once it's in, except for checking the oven to make sure that it isn't bubbling and boiling, you don't have to look at it anymore. Then all let the soft grain out, and then we simply put the stew back into the casserole. There. Hi, my name is Noelle Fox, and you're listening to Eat It and Beat It on the Two True Freaks Network, making you come hard and easy like Sunday morning. Hello, and welcome to Eat It, a podcast about food, the first half of a podcast of a two-part podcast. I am, uh, it's a two-part podcast, and we have two hosts, amazingly enough. I am... Your first host, Rubier Float, and I am here with Cloggington Artery. Nice to be here. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm fine. I'm fine. It passed. It passed. It usually <sighs> does. <clears throat> Man. <sighs> all right. Good and to go. We, we are here to talk about. Ah, I gotta say i i don't want to say everybody's favorite but i i don't know what's wrong with you if you don't like can it sounds this sounds clinical or gross but like concession food yeah the but, concession food is a good way to put it because and, some food just tastes better depending on where you eat it uh, and and that's what what um what the best way because i can describe like concession food you know yeah it's 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 food that you get that can be prepared in a simple way like in a non-kitchen way you know with with all the all the preparations for the food are behind you know a counter 
so you know stuff you get at the at the at the movie theater at the drive-in theater oh yeah the movie theater is a perfect example i mean yeah at the, at the bowling alley at the roller skating rink yeah and and it where, where does popcorn taste better than at a movie theater Right, right. I mean, it's not going to taste. I mean, you can try to make popcorn at home, and I do, you know, and I, you know, put your butter on it and your real butter and your salt. But popcorn is never going to taste as good as it does at the movie theater. A hot dog, to me, never tasted as good as it did when I would go to the baseball game to to uh, to enjoy it. Right. Uh, Mr. Softy. An ice cream cone from Mr. Softy is terrific. Ice cream from a box or anywhere else is not going to taste the same. That's concession food. That it, To me, it, it tapped into a a feeling or a memory. You know, I yeah, would, it's it's fast junk food <coughs> that you're yeah, eating I, at a place where you're do, where you're <coughs> where where fun is happening that you love. I mean, Con- concessions I, the, are if a concession stand is only at a fun place. <laughs> I will only There's eat never a corn concession dog. stand yeah. at a shitty place. <laughs> I will only eat a corn dog at a fair. You know, it's just because, you know, you can't get you get one out of the box and you cook it. You can try to make it at home, but it's never going to come out right. But at the fair Meanwhile, it's 6 months old made by a, you know, carny with necrotic fingers oh, and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And and in our current situation, I miss that type of stuff. I mean, I really do. I, I'm missing corn dogs. I'm missing hot dogs at the baseball park. I'm I'm missing. Uh, uh, we would always go over to uh, our family's cottage in um, in uh, Ontario, Canada, and. And uh, there was a place that that you can go by the by the lake and get French fries and and ice cream, and it just doesn't taste the same. I'm missing that stuff, and the fact that I'm not going to be able to do it this year, it's it's a bummer, and it makes me nostalgic for um for hangout food, yep. I guess you can say. So now, when you were growing up. What if you had to pick a memory? A good place to start is what? What would you? What, what comes to your mind as as one of many, or perhaps your first favorite uh, concession? I mean, always like the movie theater, but like like my best memories of a concession stand were literally at the at the Watertown roller rink, which was it was it it was you know a, a teenage preteen hangout and. You just basically had, a, you know, a round floor to, to skate around. They played disco music, had some lights going, and you had a bunch of park benches inside and uh, a concession stand. But the, per- the, the, the old lady who ran the concession stand was creative, and she was very nice, and, and she came up with stuff that you couldn't get anywhere else by just being creative so you know she that that was the first place i had a cherry coke and it blew my oh, wow. mind that was before, before you could cherry buy coke cherry coke in a can yeah long before uh, it, you know the the idea of a cherry coke and she made it with maraschino cherry juice 
because she had she made Sundays too, so she had the big big jar of you know glowing red maraschino cherry juice, and uh, and, she, and she made me up a cherry coke one day, and I was like, this is the greatest thing, in, you know. I was going there to get cherry coke. She had other stuff. She had uh, the only one I remember is pineapple Pepsi. Except wow. they were all Pepsi. The cherry coke was really a cherry Pepsi, but but she had a pineapple Pepsi, Pepsi that was Pepsi with with like um, you know, pineapple like the snow cone flavor for oh, for, okay. for uh, pineapple in it. And okay. uh, yeah, and and she and it was one of the few places where the pizza was really good. Was was more like normal pizza than than like your just sort of like heat pizza lamp with pizza. No luck, yeah, yeah, yeah. 7-Eleven heat lamp pizza. Well, but that's I I remember that place because specifically like the food the food was good there. You know the old lady paid attention to the food, and it was different. You know there was no place else you could get a cherry coke, and. Uh, like I went home and was telling my parents about it, and they're like, "Really? That sounds really good." And I was like, "It is." It, you're you're right. Uh, and I like a corn dog. I love corn dogs with like loads of mustard, but I would only have a corn dog once a year. Because once a year, uh, I have a friend Shelly. She and I would always go to the Alameda County Fair back home. Every year we went. And that was the one thing that I always got from the concession stand was these big, huge corn dogs that are like dipped and, and, and hot and fried. And you'd put the mustard on it. And man, I haven't had one in, a, in probably a couple of years. I don't think I went to the fair last year, but I wouldn't dream of having one anywhere else than there. No, it's, it's not going to be the same as right I mean, that's the thing about the fair is you the, you don't make you don't have stuff made up ahead of time, except yeah. for like the people who are pulling taffy and stuff like that. So, but you know, when you when you get something, it's it's directly off the grill and into your hand, or out of the fryer and into your hand. And even in a rest, like in a Seven Eleven, it's under a heat lamp in a restaurant you're still losing a couple minutes you're you're you you literally have like these and it's and it's that first bite that gets you but those first few bites are you know different than if you got it two minutes later you know oh yeah there's there's something about it there's something about the grease that's just been probably used for the last six months and strained out (laughs) oh yeah i mean there was a place in my hometown growing up and it was called the Holiday Bowl. And I had no idea how this place could have even been built because it was huge for a bowling alley. I mean, mm-hmm. it took up an entire God block. It, it was huge. And and I used to love to bowl. And I would we had to bowl in two leagues every week. Um, and that's where I learned to drink because they had a, a beer that you can get is called a Biggie. And it was in a big red uh, plastic cup. So we would drink Biggies. And they had a restaurant there. And it was called the Bashful Bull. And it was one of these diners or dive. They had a bar, too. 
Yep. And whenever I think about a bar, I always think about the Bashful Bull because it's what uh, it was always dark, always had red leather booths and and yep. old, really old people that would sit there at pretzels. But the Bashful Bull had some of the best freaking burgers and and chili fries and like nachos and i'm uh, really but i didn't bowl much but bowling alleys were <laughs> really like they're not my favorite place but they were the best place for this kind of food because they yeah. would have a little you know a restaurant just big enough to have a fryer and a flat flat top grill on it you know yeah and but and and a bar attached, so it was a little of everything: recreation, drinky, drinky, and eaty, eaty. I and, spent uh, so many years at at the Holiday Bowl. It was like the New Year's Eve. I would be at the bowling party at the Holiday Bowl, three or four nights a week. Go into the Holiday Bowl just to just to hang out or just to um, just to grab something to eat, because I think. What you had said was in these these restaurants that were this place was 24 hours for one thing always open because there was always someone willing to bowl at whatever time of the night and the food there was always prepared by exactly what your mind would think people would look like that would prepare this food it yeah, was like fresh the- they would make it it was cheap but it's something that I don't think you see anymore there's only a few places now where I would go to and 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 maybe processed food is it like the 7-eleven every once in a while i get a craving for one of those hot dogs that rolls around at the 7-eleven yeah the roller and, dog yeah i get a craving for that once in a while and and then i go there and i have it and the craving's done but the hot dogs at the bashful bull were grilled and they had a snap to them you know on a flat top grill just like you said yep. fries and you and i were the same age and i can remember a time before nachos i mean when right. do you think nachos came yeah in corn to chips be? corn chips well that it was it was i mean it was long after fritos and doritos because doritos had flavor pli- piled all you know salt and and powder all over them and 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 fritos were just sort of ne- neither of them like the packaging of Doritos was like, okay, this is Mexican. It sounds Mexican, but I don't think it was until Taco Bell started making its way all around the United States to where people thought about doing nachos. And it, and it wasn't until Seven Eleven made its American version of nachos where you have, you're you're probably right. And, and weird hot, hot sauce looking chili to, that comes out of two squeeze dispensers to put on top of it yeah, and you can get papers. you can go to a mexican restaurant and get like fancy nachos mm-hmm. which are good they got their place but there's something about the nachos with the with that whatever the fuck cheese yeah it's it's a different it, thing it's it's yeah it's 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 our version it's like chinese food you know it's our version of how of we you know I mean, it's it's the Velveeta version yeah. of Mexican now, nachos. Does the name Ignacio Anya ring a bell to you? It does not at all. Ignacio Anya is credited with the invention of nachos, and it has a. It, it's kind of interesting because um, my father is from Eagle Pass, Texas. Now, right across the border 
to border town. The next town that my dad used to go to with his mom to go grocery shopping in Mexico was called Piedras Negras, Black Rock. Well, um, Ignacio owned a restaurant there, and uh, he's credited with inventing the nacho. You know, he he didn't want to to waste any of his corn tortilla chips. You know, and the wives of military officers who lived who lived in Eagle Pass, they would venture over the border, you know, on excursions, and stop at the Victory Club, and this was a restaurant that that uh, that he owned, and you know, he didn't want to give them anything that was too Mexican because these 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 ladies, they they you know they were they they weren't gonna they weren't gonna have. Uh, menudo or something like that right right so he wanted to give them something that that they could that they thought that they would be able to eat so you know he fried up some corn chips got some cheese you know put them on top of them and a little bit of jalapeno peppers to kind of make it seem exotic and it uh it it took off and i've done a lot of i you know i've been on the web looking at it and and for some reason it, it all gets credited back to Ignacio, uh, which which is kind of a neat story because it's right next to um, next to where my father grew up, you know. And I doubt he even I sent him the link that uh, <coughs> excuse me, his hometown has a little bit of a history with nachos. Well, when, when when the Mexican restaurant that I used to work at, you know, my and and you know you got to take this with a grain of salt because this is like any restaurateur who's doing like their native food and they tell you i'm making the authentic version of it you know <laughs> and you know i'm i'm making this the way that you know it was originally made and uh and his version of it was you know you would have a, it would be a it would be a current like one a, a, an order of nachos at our restaurant which for the first time uh, visitor to our restaurant sometimes they would get outraged <laughs> because it would be one one it would be one corn tortilla cut into quarters and then made into chips fried into chips on a plate with a, with probably like two or three slices of jalapeno on the chip and then just like cheese on top melted that was it that it wasn't just a pile of chips with cheese on yeah. it like a bit it was it was this bit like presentation and he was like you know people would do variations but this was this is like your standard you would go and get like an order of nachos and do it and people would gripe and gripe their first time there and then yeah that's order, like order it every time they came every time because it was it, 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 makes it, was, sense. It, was, it was nothing like you know what you get at 7-eleven but i you know i just consider them it's like if you're eating you know some nice nice uh, cheddar cheese and and crackers or your your melting velveta over something you know it's yeah and that that story makes sense experiences in in what i the research i did that they wanted to present something that was a little bit more manageable i mean there's nothing sometimes it's hard to well, we, we use mozzarella cheese on it because he go. said we use mozzarella cheese on our like when we put cheese on burritos and everything and he said this is actually closer to like yeah a case of fresco would probably be like more 
more authentic, but it wasn't going to go over in America. And he said mozzarella is really closest to the sort of soft kind of cheese that you would use for Mexican food. More, you know, everybody sort of likes to use cheddar, but cheddar has a lot of uh, flavor to it. And when you use cheddar and with like rice and beans and stuff, it changes the whole thing. And there's there's a dynamic of having a sort of neutral mild soft cheese and they're like mozzarella yeah but well, I, can, I can see that it is closer to some of the mexican style cheeses that that you can find in certain parts of the country you can you can find uh some meltable mexican cheese that that you can use i can't think of what the names are now but they are definitely um mozzarella is a perfectly good acceptable mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. substitute uh, guacamole is another one of my um, foods that everything goes back to the to the bashful bowl or the holiday bowl because my dad he was a uh, gross uh, produce clerk and when the avocados would start to get a little bit on the ripe side and no one would buy them you know uh, he would bring home avocado now fucking avocados are like they're expensive as hell yeah but i remember when they used to be like 25 cents each or whatever they were at the time but my dad would bring home boxes of avocados and he would pay a quarter for them or whatever so to throw them out. He would make huge bats, a big, huge bowls of guacamole. We would take mm-hmm. it to the bowling league at the Holiday Bowl. And everybody, in, we put out a jar you know, to donate toward the guac fund. And we'd buy chips and, and everybody from every team, there must have been 20 teams, they would all come to our little booth, our little table, and they would, you know, have a beer and, and eat guacamole. This went on for months and months and months and months. And finally, the guy that managed the place came up to us and said, hey, man, I, you guys have to stop bringing the guacamole in. I hate to tell you. He said, why? He goes, because... It's cutting into the sales. Of, You're of running the a business here. on top of their business. <laughs> yeah, he goes, and he goes, yeah, you saw, and the tip jar would get filled up with money, and my we would just spend the money because my dad was getting the fucking avocados for free and just paying nothing for the other ingredients like the tomatoes or whatever, you know. But finally, they told us that we couldn't bring the uh, the guacamole in anymore. In. No shit, but everyone was pissed. They were t- so you pissed. Told them- you should have told them we'll sell you a tub of guacamole every. Oh, they were pissed when when we told them that that we couldn't bring it in anymore. But yeah, it just food invokes certain food just invokes memories in in uh, in me at least. Well, I prefer popcorn from a from a movie theater with the me fake too. butter on it than real butter. I like real butter; it's real good on popcorn too. But it's real butter on popcorn. Yeah, yeah, real butter on popcorn, you got to do it. You, you sort of got to do it fast. You got to yeah. eat it fast. Otherwise, it turns to it gets really so- soggy. And, no, you know, they've 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 formulated a really, you know, a completely probably toxic and artificial sort of oh, thing yeah. that forms more of a smooth thing. It doesn't sort of soak over into it as much as just sort of. Ooze over it, and it's I already have, got that super salty dust on it. It's just yeah, delicious. the dust. It's just the dust. I I have tried to perfect making popcorn uh, here at home, like the movie theaters, and it's not easy. 
because we we are of two different uh, philosophies here. I love regular popcorn that you pop in a popcorn popper, while other people that live here like hot air popcorn, which I believe tastes like styrofoam packing. But if you want to try to make popcorn that tastes as close as possible to movie theater popcorn, I, I picked this up from some somewhere I read in some little obscure blog or something. You know what ghee is, right? Have you heard mm-hmm. ghee? Well, it's, it's clarified butter. You pop your popcorn. Instead of using oil, you pop it in ghee. It has a high, a high, high smoke point. It's not going to burn. It's gonna, it's gonna give the popcorn a really, really good flavor. And you don't have to go and buy a special popcorn salt that they sell at the storage. If you have a spice grinder, just put a little bit of, um, of. Uh, I like to use kosher salt, and I just give it a couple of whirls in there, and it comes out as a fine dust. And dust, dust that on your popcorn, and you'd be surprised. It's not as good as movie theater popcorn. Don't get me wrong, it's not as good, but it uh, it's pretty damn pretty damn tasty and uh, when we do have popcorn if it's just me I'll, I'll make it like that but it was a big time. big deal in the 80s when they finally started <laughs> selling the packets of the yellow dust the yellow dust to put on the, popcorn I've tried yeah. the I've tried the special butter oil doesn't it didn't do anything for the, it, the but, thing about it is the the, the like popcorn in a it's almost by necessity the way it tastes and the way it works you can't do it at home unless you get one of those big popcorn machines and you can get them sometimes i've seen them at garage sales that people had for like 50 dollars and stuff but if you get one of those it's got the it's got the the you can get the mix, special it's oil. got a mixer at the bottom it's got a it's got a uh, rotor at the bottom that just rotates so when you put that oil with the flavor in in the bottom it keeps it it keeps it mixed up and it keeps it like perfectly perfectly distributed. Um, yeah distributed amongst the stuff and it really only works if you're making just this massive batch of popcorn you know and yeah. and it's it's made to just pop you know five gallons of, of popcorn at least perfectly you're right. every time you see them at garage sales all the time because people buy them and they realize that unless they have a movie room or something right it's going to take up some special all the time. merchandise it's going to take up some space so you see them there all the time i've come close but i just don't have the room for something like that and the, the yeah, last I place I saw one was at a hardware store. They they have one at a hardware store, and you get free popcorn when when you come in, and it smells great in there too. So oh yeah, the fucking smell is 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 mm-hmm. um is the best. Uh, you know, one thing that I that I think about from your neck of the woods is the garbage plate that we had when we were over there. That would be something that that I would definitely go back to and and have again be uh maybe for people that haven't listened to our show before uh if you could describe what's in the garbage plate again for people 
because I'll know yeah. I'll leave some of the ingredients out. And, and the garbage plate's starting to spread around. I wouldn't be surprised if there's probably a few places in New York City that you could find a garbage plate because there's 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 like food trucks on the West Coast doing garbage plates. But because, well, you'll see in a second if you haven't listened to our episode where we ate a garbage plate. It's a, a bottom layer. The bottom layer is usually and or hash browns and or um, macaroni salad. And then on top of that, you throw, yeah, it depends. It could be anything depending on what your restaurant sells that would sort of go along with it. But standard, like the standard, standard plate is either going to be a couple white hots or a couple hamburgers or cheeseburgers on top of your layer of, of uh, mac salad and, and potatoes. And then the top is covered with uh, meat hot sauce, which is like the aforementioned. It's sort of like a bland, more savory chili made of, of ground beef. And that's just slathered over. It's, got, it's, it's sort of like ground beef in this bright orange greasy sauce. And it's usually every place has their special version of it, which, you know, they they slave over for you know six to eight hours slow cooking it, and that's that's the magic of the garbage plate is your your hot oh, sauce. Oh man! And then I'm on top of you. the hot sauce is usually thrown a, a slathering of of white onions, of diced white onions, and then a squeeze a squeeze bottle squiggle of uh, a liberal squeeze bottle squiggle of ketchup and a liberal squeeze bottle squiggle of mustard. And there you have a, a standard garbage plate. So you can make them anywhere, almost. If anywhere where you can cook a hot dog or a hamburger, you can make a garbage plate. Is that time I spent um, with you guys up there? I don't think we ate one healthy meal for two days or three days that I was there. It was wonderful. I know when I came back, I had to like, to like fast because everything we ate was delicious and everything we ate we really made made the yeah, uh, I took you to James Brown place uh, the most artery you know, artery clogging eggs benedicts delicious as delicious man uh, you had mentioned chili um are you a fan of chili dogs um no, nah, not a big fan. I like them, but I, I don't eat them that much. I had a chili dog actually a, a few weeks ago at work because we had a good batch of, of, of uh, chili. chili. Well, well, we, we haven't been serving chili at our new restaurant, but we had to make chili for one of our other restaurants. And I was just like, and now we have red hots and white hots at our new hot restaurant. So I was like, oh, I can have a chili dog. And it was good. I like chili dogs. They're just kind of messy, messy. They are, they are messy, um, and they're they're, they're fork and knife food, and I don't like fork and knife foods. Nah, we I'm don't do no about. fork and knife foods, and they're they are a big thing if you go to Michigan around Detroit. There are uh, two restaurants right next to each other. Um, there's there's the Coney Island, uh, and there's Lafayette um, hot dogs, and each one I think they might have been brothers at one time, and. They split off from each other, and each one claims that they have the original uh, Coney Island hot dog, um, and it's what these hot dogs are called. And I and I've had them, and and they're they're pretty good. I they have 
the it's a chili with a with a they're Greeks, and it's the chili with a hint of cinnamon mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's hey, well, just our, a our, touch. Our meat, of... meat hot sauce has a touch of cinnamon in it too. Yeah, there's a touch of cinnamon in there, and uh, just I've had them both. They're both very good. I really can't tell the difference, but uh, I get a craving once in a while, and uh, I actually order the hot dogs from um, from Michigan uh, because they're so good, uh, and they come frozen. And we always order a little bit of the chili sauce too of the uh, to make to make these hot dogs. And they're called Coble's hot dogs, and they have that all beef and they have that natural casing that little snap mm-hmm. and you know when i was a kid i'd eat whatever hot dog my parents happened to buy it was the same with peanut butter but then uh when i got married it was like the only peanut butter that that she bought was chiff and now i can't eat any other peanut butter beside <laughs> diff you know where else before we would buy whatever was on sale and my mom you know being an immigrant she didn't know that peanut butter didn't have to be put in the fridge so it was always in the refrigerator and it was always impossible to spread because it would tear the bread so i so it wasn't until i got an education on peanut butter later on in life but now i can't have anything but jiff and i can't to me if it's not one of these cold hot dogs i I, I can't. I just don't enjoy it as much. It, they're delicious, and that sauce that you're talking about that that we order from from the same company is exactly like you described the the chili with that little orange uh, mm-hmm. grease on grease. it, you know. And yeah. and and uh, and I miss food like that. I you know. It's because it's cooked and cooked and cooked in the say in the fat. Like you drain the fat, but you do, you leave a lot of the fat too, and it just soaks up all the spices and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, the, the, that fat that greasy fat is very flavorful, you know. And oh, a is. lot of times with stuff like that, it's got bread to soak into too, which is oh yeah. Fantastic. I mean, concession concession food to me, I it always brings me back home. I've been living here in New York for since 1996, but I I have always believed that if you were not born here in New York, you will always be an outsider. You'll always be someone that that yeah you know I, I'm originally from from here, but I've been in New York for 20 years. If you weren't born here, I have yet to find the quintessential food here. That there's some pizza places that I love with the pizza fold, and you can do that. But there are a few things that, that, that I can find here that I can associate with the same type of memories that I can of the food uh, back home. You know? that, you, uh, that you ate during your in, the time your mind was imprinting everything. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. That's probably a, um, a good, a good uh, way of putting it, that your mind imprints these things um, when, you're, when you're back home. And then uh, I did manage to find a review of the bashful bowl now the holiday bowl is no longer open it closed in 2005 and whenever i would i go back home now i see this huge building that had halls for for union meetings and wedding receptions and it was just it was just huge it's it's still it's falling down now and it's, it's just sad but i did find a review of uh of the um of the restaurant there and i'll, I'll read it real quick because because it, it, it is exactly what I remember it being. 
Uh, this person writes, I'm only raiding the dining room. I've eaten there numerous times, but I've only bowled once or twice, and I've only heard snatches of a laminated uh, cover band playing on a Friday night. The Holiday Bowl Diner usually uh, meticulously dedicated by publishing monthly calendars of daily specials, and I remember those calendars. It reminds me of my elementary school that sent similar menu calendars to my parents. The excitement, yeah. I, feel looking, the excitement I feel looking at these menu calendars, planning future meals has not changed since the fourth grade. Then he throws in a sigh, very Charlie Brown-like. To my childhood delight, Holiday Bowl still makes milkshakes with chocolate or strawberry syrup swirled in the glass. For the main event, I usually get the diners. I usually get the diners. Uh, turkey dinner, uh, turkey dinner is king with homemade stuffing, thickly sliced turkey smothered in gravy, mashed potatoes, veggies, and a slice of canned cranberry sauce, for which I have a soft, squishy place in my heart. On Sundays, you get a dollar off dinner entrees and a free soft drink. And if you're on a tight budget, there are cheap options like the deviled egg sandwich or grilled cheese served with chips. This is our favorite refueling spot after hitting all the thrift stores in San Leandro and Hayward. And that was the the Holiday Bowl, uh, where where all of where a lot of my my um, hangout food came from. And it's not there anymore, as so many places aren't. Uh, but nothing lasts forever, I guess. But I sure miss that place. I would still be there when I would go back home, for sure. I would still pop in there if it was still around. They had a great burger. And um, with that, we took a break from... Uh, from old George Leonard Herder yeah. last month. Well, like but, place a concession places usually had crappy. They just had like freezer burgers. So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna yeah. remedy we're, that. And you might find this hard to believe, but George Leonard Herder of uh, Wasaka, Minnesota, um, famous bull cook and authentic historic recipes and practices. He has a few things to say about burgers and French fries. I mean. I mean, come on, burgers. We, I've been making burgers wrong all of these, all of this time. What? Yes, yes. We knew nothing about making burgers. Now, his burger is called the Lumberjack Burger. And uh, let me um, <clears throat> get into my George Leonard Herder uh, mode here. I have heard more than one famous cook say that if you can tell a good cook from a bad one by the way they cook a hamburger, easier than any other way there's a lot of truth in this as a good hamburger is hard to get this recipe is the old lumberjack method brought in by the french it is as simple as can be but today it is a forgotten art put a large tablespoon of butter in your frying pan now we've always talked about the butter burger and it was mm-hmm. going to be on the menu one of these days. And I've always heard that butter goes great on beef. Your old steakhouses would always throw a slab of butter on your steak yes. before they brought it to the table. I I, yeah. I always put a, I always put a pat of butter on on my steak when I make George, it at home. Leonard Herder throws a pat of butter into your frying pan. Have the heat on medium hot only. Melt the butter until it is brown. Remember, brown, not just melted. Do not use lard. 
bacon grease, margarine, or any other modern shortening or oil. Just use butter. Butter and beef form a taste that nothing comes close to duplicating. Now, salt and pepper your burger before you make it into patties by adding a little salt in some water and mixing it in with your meat. The salt and pepper thus penetrates the meat and gives it an entirely different taste than if you salt and pepper the patties in the pan. This and make your patties the desired amount of hamburger in the center of a large square of wax paper. Fold over the wax paper and press down and flatten out the burgers nice and thin. You can't flatten out a hamburger thin enough with your hands. Thick burgers are dry and tasteless as ground meat when it is cooked uh, thick dries out badly. Now fry the hamburger turning frequently when it is done. Take the bread or bun you're going to serve it in with the faces of the hamburger uh, bun on the butter and meat sauce and fry the bread or bun for a minute. Now place your burger on the bun and add whatever trimmings you prefer, pickles, bacons, onions, ketchup, etc. or none at all. I have eaten in nearly every country in the world and dishes with the fanciest of names. And but a hamburger prepared this way is a fine tasting is as fine a tasting food as you will ever find. That's, now we that's know how that, we do the burger at our place. We smash it between wax paper. Yeah, I've I've seen that. And you know, I I, I did that. Follow this recipe completely. I put the um the bun into the into the the drippings in the pan is surprisingly it toasted uh, mm -hmm. a little bit. I didn't think it, I thought it was going to come out mushy, but now to go with that, I, I did a little something extra today. I I um I decided to try some some French fried potatoes. Now Herder, as being Herder, goes into a lot of history of of potatoes being poisonous, blah blah blah. But we're not going to get into that now. It says, I have had so many letters since this book was published asking me how to make French fried potatoes as they do in France and Europe. In general, I have decided to add this recipe. And here it is. The recipe for properly making French fried potatoes has never been published in this country nor in Europe. It has been a closely guarded European cook secret and they simply do not bandy them about as it is so to speak their life blood. Now, you take your potatoes, peel them and cut them lengthwise into sections about one inch thick. Dry the, peaches, the, the pieces by rubbing them around in a dish towel. And here's where it gets weird. Do not soak the pieces in ice water uh, as most recipes state. Now, I, I have always, when I make french fries, I always soak them in, in ice water, but George says no. This is going to ruin them. The theory is that the ice water will remove some of the starch from the potatoes. Actually soaking the potatoes in water only makes them absorb more water and thus turns them, uh, makes them absorb grease too readily when cooked. And he says that the only thing that you can cook ham uh, french fries in is beef grease. Now. Beef grease is tough to find, but I was, I keep little trimmings of beef around here and to make beef stock. So I said, I'm going to try this. I made some beef stock and I skimmed the beef grease from the stock. I let it, I let it congeal in the fridge 
melted it down, strained it, put it through, you know, got it as, as clean as I could, okay? And using beef grease is a real secret in making crisp, flaky, good-tasting French fried potatoes. In France, nothing but beef grease is ever used. Never use lard, vegetable shortening. Put the potato pieces in your fry basket and cook them in the beef grease. Leave them until they are cooked and have a thin, crisp skin. Not a brown skin. Now, we know that, that I always knew that the secret to good French fries are double frying them. And that's what he does here. But he does it with beef grease. And then he heats it up for the second fry about 400 degrees. And he double fries them until they're brown. And this takes a minute and a half, depending on the kind of potatoes they are. Take them out, drain them on paper, sprinkle lightly with powdered mustard. If you like French fries, uh, potatoes, these will really, really please you. So, pain in the ass to get beef grease, but I did it. I have here the George Leonard Herder burger and some fries. The fries are a little cold now, because, but I did try one before. But I'm going to take a bite of the George Leonard Herder burger right here. He's a beaut. There you go. It's really well seasoned. And it tastes pretty good. It's the butter. The brown butter. Oh, yeah. That's a good burger. And the french fries. I used Yukon gold potatoes. And believe it. They're not hot, but they're still crispy. Yeah. And the powdered mustard on there, I really like because I love mustard, but it gives you a little bit of that. Like, it goes up your nose a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not a lot, so you don't drench it in the mustard. But it it's pretty damn good. But you just can't find I have a jar of duck fat in my refrigerator and I always heard that duck fat is good but alright take a quick turn but from what I've heard before that the true 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 secret to good french fries and I've heard this on many occasions was to use horse fat believe it or not but that's what they used to use back in the day yeah was not horse a lot fat of that floating around <laughs> not, not a lot not a lot of horse fat floating around but this is um definitely going to save this patty and uh, and reheat it up tomorrow because I'm not going to finish it now. But that was a pretty damn good burger, and, and the fries were really surprising. Uh, I don't think I'm... They don't have a, a particularly beefy taste because I really cleaned the... Um, I skimmed it and did a good job cleaning the, um, the uh, oil. But... Uh, probably won't be doing it again but i will keep the mix the salt and pepper in a little water and 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 mold it into the meat because that really does you know use the seasoning the outside so that was that's pretty good another herder hit and um if you have any uh closing statements on um on uh hangout food or or uh concession stand food that you want to close not with, really i'm gonna yeah. miss it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna miss it for a long time. God knows when. Yeah. So many places might not even be back, but who knows? I mean, it's up. Our, it's up our, to our local double theater theater, um, feature theater, 
neighborhood theater has curbside popcorn service and it's like that's great. oh <laughs> Yeah, that's how that's how they made their money. I always heard the movie theaters made more money on popcorn. This this place such of popcorn a... was so cheap though. It was like a dollar fifty oh, really? for a large popcorn. Oh, yeah, it was like that. a family owned thing. So I don't know. I don't know if they're just doing it to be nice or whatever. <laughs> but you can but, order yeah. up some popcorn and go there. You just can't watch a movie there. No, no. But you know, out here driving movies are coming back now. That a lot of people are, are thinking about opening up drive-in movie theaters, which would, you know, be a pretty good yeah, idea. Cause I, yeah. I miss the drive-in. Another good place where you could get good concession food was the drive-in theater. Yeah. Well, you know? like some of the, it's, they had weird, so the, the thing about the, the, that was a different, that was the beginning of like where they had to be real fast because people were watching movies and stuff, but they would want to do like burgers and fries, but you would get the heat lamp burgers that were wrapped yeah. in you know aluminum foil paper you know and stuff like that but that had its appeal too it was fun going and getting one of those burgers they were kind of a novelty then they weren't as around places all over the place like at the throughway and stuff and uh and Don't sitting on the car and watching a movie and watch eating a hamburger was pretty my, exciting my old man was always too cheap it always makes sandwiches yeah, coke, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, we always brought, it, we always brought our own popcorn, basically. Yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe uh, one of the good things out of this will be uh, a resurgence in the drive-in movie theaters. I would want taking my kid to see a drive-in movie. I think he would probably oh, get yeah. a kick out of it. You know? Yeah, I'd get a well, kick out of it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Concession foods, uh, memory foods, uh, a trip down memory lane here, and um, I'm taking a look over at the green room and i hear some disco music and 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 do you see that do you Sounds see like what someone's I th- moving furniture around there but they're it, sort of it, gliding it does. around no no there's two people like just like they're skating oh hey wait one of them just disappeared oh, oh she's back now oh well oh. i think oh okay, okay. um <laughs> i think we better go <laughs> check check this out let me just find my skate key if I still have one around here somewhere and um, maybe I'll go join in on some of this fun. All right. Well, we'll be right back after these messages. Oh, hey. Hiya, folks. Maury Clawhammer here. Does remembering the good old days remind you that life sucks like a bucket of ticks? Do you yearn to revisit these days, even if you weren't even born yet? Well, schlump on down to Mr. Mori's 70s and 80s roller disco bar and nostalgiatorium. Skate away to those carefree days when no one had cell phones and everyone smoked where they goddamn well pleased. Roll around awkwardly to disco hits then cruise over to our 80s Miami Vice theme bar with celebrity bartenders Adam Ant and Tony Basil. Ask her to slip you a Mickey. Do you miss the dystopian future of the 70s, which is actually the 90s? Well, Wednesdays are Rollerball Night, where our normally peaceful and safe roller rink is transformed into a rip-snorting, head-crushing, spike-laden motorcycle drive-in death zone. Free pizza to the victor. 
Miss the days of rocketing crime rates due to childhood lead exposure? Fear not. We have 70s style ski mask muggers in the parking lot just ready to take you on a trip down memory lane. Pick them up. Come on over to our vintage snack bar. Sign our waiver and sample all our authentic expired products from the good old days. We got Billy Beer, Reggie Bars, Star Kiss Tuna when it had dolphins, Jello Pudding Pops, Hubba Bubba with spider eggs, Smurf Berry Crunch, and Mr. T Cereal. We also have Capra Sun Juice, but it feels a little solid and jello-y inside, but you're welcome to give them a try. So, come on down and get your nostalgia gland massaged at Mr. Mori's 70s and 80s Roller Disco Bar and Nostalgiatorium, where the fun is our responsibility, but your knees, spines, skulls, ankles, and teeth are your responsibility. Oh, oh, and your nose, your nose too. That's on you. Hello and welcome to Beat It, a podcast about the pornographies that follows a food, a food podcast. I am one of your hosts, Randy Robotnik, and I am here with, well, the national roller derby champion, Intox Escate. Ah, I like boobies. And, uh... Yeah, this is good. This is uh, this is a uh, listener-inspired episode. This, uh, it sure this is. Epi- episode spawned from a, uh, so to speak, from a uh, post in the Eat It and Beat It Facebook page, which you can go and visit and uh, join. And uh, it was uh, it was um, the the day that he posted it. Um, a comic book writing legend uh, Marty Pasco died and a lot of people were memorializing him for all the comics he's written which was a lot of comics I, I, I was first recognized his name through Swamp Thing comics but apparently he uh, also worked on pornographic movies because we have a, uh, a tweet here from Carter Stevens the day he died said uh uh, I knew Marty for over 45 years. He was a teenager when we met. He and I and another friend wrote a screenplay that I tried to raise funds for. It never happened, but it led me to making my first porno and the birth of Carter Stevens. Over the years, Marty wrote a few other things for me, including Roller Babies. When I moved to a loft in New York, he rented a small office from me. In the years that I knew him, we had a few adventures, including his almost getting me arrested because he lied about the age of an oversexed young lady. When he separated from his wife, he lived in my spare room in the Poconos for about a year. Marty was not an easy person to live with, but I will really miss him. R.I.P. Pesky Pasco. And, uh, yeah, I had... And, um, so they mentioned the movie Roller Babies in there. That is a movie I actually have history on. I watched that movie in high school with a bunch of kids, and we had a riot watching it. I was in a punk rock band, and one of the members wrote a song called Roller Baby. He got scabies. (laughs) She got scabies. And so it it had been a running joke throughout my friend friend group. So we decided to, to watch a movie written by Marty Pascoe, 
called Roller Babies, and oh, you'll learn about it. It's oh. it's available on the the. I think we found it on X Hamster. X Hamster, which seems to have a lot of old porno movies. Now I gotta say, we watch a lot of porno movies for this, and I'm not a big fan of watching most of because we wa- we're looking for new modern stuff. Now we're in the territory of the movies that like I I sat down and I enjoyed this movie. Uh, yeah. Like, it is budget zero. Oh, absolutely budget zero. You know, I have to, um, I've got to pour myself a little drink here because I may get banned from the network for what I'm about <laughs> to say here. Uh, I I love comic books, okay? And and it, I make no, I don't hide that. I, I you know, I, I love them. But I had no idea who Marty Pasco was and I wish that I could be more like um, you know some of the other guys that can go ahead and like oh yeah well it was an issue blah 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 and this is he did this and did he wrote for this you know I I know what I like and and I do know you know some of the artists and but I I don't have that deep 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 uh, Paul Spitaro knowledge or David Pascarella right. or you know or or that they can like know exactly what issue because I've grilled Paul before I've said hey what issue was uh, of uh, what if uh, did you know did the Hulk do this and he'll think about it and he'll come up with like oh, it's issue two it's like it's amazing to me and it is yeah and it, it, it is I, issue two <laughs> I, I I don't have that that knowledge but. But I looked him up, and you had told me that, man, he had quite, quite the career. Now, he died May 10th uh, of natural causes. He was 65 years old, which which you said, you know, he could have had the heart attack or or whatever. But, you know, it's I think that it's incredibly, incredibly young. Uh, he was born Jean-Claude Roquefort. In 1954, he was Canadian and born in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, he lived in California, uh, but he was always maintained his Canadian um, nationality. He, and he was an incredible writer. I mean, this guy, uh, he had he had an, a career in comics from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, right up to the 2000s. He worked in television. He wrote for live action animation. I mean, if you look at his comic uh, uh, bibliography, you know, uh, we've got DC, Disney, Eclipse, First, Marvel, Seabroad, uh, Warren Publishing. I mean, he did everything. And so I started to look into more of his work and career. And there is so much stuff here that I remember. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, um, he you know he wrote for Superman uh, in the seventies, Superman two seventy seven, July nineteen seventy four. David would probably Pascarella would probably know exactly that this is the private life of Clark Kent, and you could tell me that I'm sure. Um, not only was he he a Superman writer, but he also wrote Jimmy Olsen, Supergirl comics, the Superman family through the seventies. He he scripted a lot of the syndicated comic strips uh, that starred Superman, Batman, everything. I mean, he had his hand in everything that, that even Star Trek. I mean, he wrote 
Star Trek comics for both DC and Marvel. Uh, and then later on, he went into the into uh, into TV. He you know he developed some brands of laugh act. He Smallville, Birds of Prey. I mean, you can go way back where this guy actually he um, he was a writer and story editor on Buck Rogers in the 25th century, Fantasy Island, The Twilight Zone, all movies and TV shows that I watched. Roseanne, and he was even uh, he became a writer and uh, executive story consultant on Cheers, one of my favorite TV shows ever. And and animation, he he invented the character of Thundar the Barbarian, and God, I watched that show every every day. I mean, he worked with GI Joe, uh, the Berenstein Bears, which which is um, didn't we talk about how that wasn't real or that's one of those uh, that's the Mandela yeah, yeah yeah the yeah. Mandela effect. So it may or may not have happened. Well, no, you know <laughs> he's important if he worked with something that had to do with the Mandela effect. He has something to do with the whole and, timeline. And and some of the great sitcoms that I love. Um, the Tick, you know? I mean, he did everything. And and he invented Ookla the Mock. Come on, man. That was my favorite Thundar character. I mean, nothing like a good Star Wars ripoff, you know? But then you had told me that, you know, he had passed away and besides working on Roger Rabbit and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, Mask of the Phantasm. He was there too. You told me that he wrote a porno. And so I looked it up, but I didn't see his, his name anywhere on it. And I, I even texted him like, hey, man, it, I don't see his name on, on, on this porno. And he's like, no, you, you won't see, see anyone's s- name on the porno. <laughs> <laughs> you not see anyone's name at all, you know? I'm surprised uh, he came up with the name Wesson Smith, and I'm I'm really surprised he didn't count. Because he came up with, what, about 5,000, you know, dirty names and oh joke names God, in this? That, I'm surprised he didn't come up with a dirty joke name for his porno writing. That list. was one of the things about this, uh, <laughs> about one of this this movie that it had so many dirty names at first i tried to to write some of them down i mean you had names like hope chest taffy pole uh and i tried writing them down but they were coming so quick and so fast that i couldn't keep up uh i i couldn't keep up with it uh and roller babies is is almost a mis. It's kind of misleading because yes. that plot of the the story really doesn't come up until the the very end. But uh, you said that you saw this when you were in high school. Yeah, we we rented this from the mom and pop place, and uh, because come on, it's called Roller Babies, and it was gonna be a porno about people having sex. It, it had its twist. It's it's like the main character says, "You got to have your twist. You got to have your twist." Yep. Well, this, you have to, you this have movie to have... has its twist. It's like people are gonna have sex on roller skates. So it's like okay. Well, I thought it was a uh, a uh, what do you call that? The uh, roller skating sport. It's all roller derby. You. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like a roller derby movie or something. That's all know? women though, so it would have to be yeah, lesbian. Yeah, so. well, you know, I I love the poster. 
I mean, you're looking at 1976, okay? Roller skating was big, was big during this this time, but uh, but it it, it was a. Uh, I guess we could figure out how old he was when he when he when he wrote this. If, if I wanted to do the math, but he was like 20. Uh, yeah, uh, right is kind of a, a well. If a it came word. out in 76, he was probably about 19. 19 or 20, it. yeah. Um, and and this is great because it has been a while since we have done a full scale movie review. I've I've loved the fetish uh, fetish porn that we have been doing lately, you know, but. But there's something about going back to to the roots of Beat It that made us, you know, internationally renowned of going over these these classic movies. And uh, Roller Babies is is definitely uh, one of them. Uh, uh, and you had done the same thing I did. I sat down and watched the whole thing and took some notes. But I, I'm going to give a, just a quick summary of what the uh, plot is about real quickly here now in the future sexual intercourse is outlawed because of overpopulation and people take anti-aphrodisiac pills in order to curtail any carnal urges now the only form of cloitus allowed is done by licensed performers on live television broadcasts as the as an aid to masturbation shrewd but down on his luck, television executive Sherman Frobish, the man behind the naughty top-rated TV program, comes up with a bright idea of a live TV sex show contest in which part, uh, participants fornicate while racing around on roller skates in order to salvage his floundering career. Now, I think you probably just like talked about the last... 10 minutes of the movie um is this considered a grindhouse movie would this be fall into that category well i guess in the in the porn side of the grindhouse because this is a this is a hardcore penetration porn yeah movie. yeah it really it really uh it really was it, it really surprisingly i mean okay it's a porno but i didn't think it was going to be i mean the sex scenes lasted a long time they they really they really um it, it was hardcore and they're the uh, least but, they're, they're the least interesting part of the they movie are. too they're the least interesting part of the movie i mean and they they they're really the least content of the movie the movie is mostly dialogue yeah and snappy dialogue and i mean literally sets that are pieces like you know pieces of cardboard and paper taped up on a wall yeah and stuff yet they they managed to put you know in one camera angle and and you know just zero zero Nothing. budget budget yet they happen they they just put all the ingredients in for the perfect, the most 70s porno. This oh. is the most 70s porno you will ever see. It has every kind of 70s porno music, including the most iconic 70s porno movie, that one that goes doo-doo-doo. 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 And... Doo-doo-doo. 
I knew I was gonna love it the minute they they showed the only thing that they the only exterior or fake exterior shot they could show to use a futuristic world was that it looked like a jungle gym triangle type. It looked thing. like a jungle what gym. The fuck was that? Set from it looked like a <laughs> jungle gym reject set miniature set from Logan's Run or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, and it, it, that, that's it. That's as far. Once in a while, they would they would film something in, in some type of a hallway that was maybe round or something. But I knew I was gonna love it from the grainy intro. Uh, yes. Maybe that's because the movie was old, or maybe that's what they were trying to to. Um, to uh to go for but the the narrator i mean they they broke the fourth wall a lot in this but the narrator he kept reminding me of of somebody i was like who does this remind me of and it reminded me of do you remember during the uh, when we were kids and and they would have the wonderful world of disney would be on every once in a while yes. there would be a yeah, I'm, ludwig I'm, von drake Yes, I was just trying to think of his name. (laughs) Yes, you're exactly right. And it took me a while to figure it out. And I know that's that's the inspiration for the for the head of the L. That that whole thing, he basically comes out in in like usually you would have an opening scroll. So it's saying in the 21st century men but the the and as as they love to do in porno movies they love to have the old mad scientist looking guy going so you know blah 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 and as he's talking i'm like this reads like a comic book from the 70s and yeah. of course it's, this guy ended up writing him but it reminded me of steve gerber who wrote howard the duck like the okay. dialogue reminded me of like something like a mixture of mad magazine like he was like, I'm going to write a, a Mad Magazine, Howard the Duck, dirt, but a dirty version, you know? And it it was, the, I mean, the dialogue, the way people, when people would give exposition, it was 100%. And I mean, comic books were a lot more wordy in the oh, 70s, yeah. in the you 60s. You noticed even the covers were the, you don't the see... 70s got very verbose especially when they tried to get funny they would jam it full of as much verbal humor as possible mm-hmm. and, and and like mad magazine have it coming out of every crack and since they literally had like four pennies to make this movie it's all that it's all just like constant shtick it's constant jokey gag rude humor but it's good natured it's 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 sort of wholesome on on it's it's just it's just amazing with the 70s furniture 70s sound effects oh, everything, everything. and when they tried to be futuristic it, it would crack me up i mean the telephone ring i don't even know what the hell that was <laughs> it did it was crazy well, we have ringtones now so we're used to phones making yeah. any old noise yeah yeah so it was like what a shitty ringtone yeah, but in the, in the uh, but in the '76, it was just like, oh, future phone. Future phone, yeah, absolutely. No, no, he comes on and he explains basically what we said in the um, in the intro that mass overpopulation, especially in the U.S., has occurred, and the government stepped in, and they're making everybody take uh, this pill that's going to curve your libido. Okay. And sex is now a fel- felony. However, oral sex is just a misdemeanor, and you can take care of that with a fine. Y- and um, masturbation is the norm now. It's the norm. 
and and technology has succeeded in suppressing this sex drive, but not eliminating it, as as Mr. Von Drake <laughs> says. And porn is a multi-million-dollar industry. Now the TV station is called WSEX, and the name of the TV show that is the most popular is called the Fuck and Suck Show. And I love the little the little、um, comments that he made that that、um, the cabinet. Official now is Al Goldstein, who at eighty one, yes, eighty three is you know heads in vigorous heads, good yes, health. In vigorous good health, uh huh, <laughs> and it lets you know that 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 you know Al Goldstein was definitely yeah, you that, know, that a was, big name. That was、and、a joke to make Al Goldstein crack up. Yes. Oh, I'm sure he did. And in order to、um, in order to have sex on on TV. You need to have a license、uh, from the FEC, the Federal Exhibition Commission, and with this license, you can have sex only as a perform. It's kind of only as performance art, okay? That's the only way you're allowed to do it. And you know, our study is is it goes on about.、Um, oh God, I'm trying. It's it's just. It's just one poor guy, Mr.、Uh, Forbish,、uh, who runs the show, and、um, he's making all kinds of money、uh, putting this show on. But、uh, they're going to cancel his show because the head of the、uh, his show is on the PPS network, which is the pornographic、uh, P. -P PBS. It's on PBS, but it stands for the Pornographic Broadcasting System, and and he gets you know called in because there's a lot of competition going on right now, and、uh, they're going to cancel his show. But before, I mean, it, it goes into a little history of Forbish, who、um, who runs the、uh, who runs the、um, the network and the show. Uh, there's this uh, uh, his secretary. You were we were talking about his secretary. She's absolutely horrible. She she's beautiful. I mean, she is. Her name is Yolanda、um, Savalas. Savalas, and of course she she's a beautiful、um, black gal who has a totally shaved head, and she's sucking on、um, lollipops. And, which, uh, for our younger viewers, is a yeah, joke for old which people. Which is a joke for old people, and, and it's a Kojak reference. But she's terrible. She's obviously her, her character's name is Miss Miss Kojak. So, yeah, Miss Kojak.、Uh, just so you know, just so just, everybody gets the joke. <laughs> just despite being absolutely drop dead gorgeous, she she's、uh, French or Haitian, I don't know, and and she's. Flubs basically every line that that she's in, but but you know she but, has talents but, in other. But, but in other listen、places. to the dialogue that they're、yeah. making. They're, they're they're he's writing this like you know, like that. It's it's this dense Mad Magazine gag, you know, full of full of writer words and stuff. It's dialogue that humans don't speak except in like a sticky comedy thing. And then you have porn actresses who have to memorize this shit. <laughs> yeah,、so、they, did, they did a work. They did a, a trooper-like job of plowing through his dialogue. <laughs> But the male actors of this movie definitely had more pizzazz in it. You know, they 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 hammed up 
they 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 understood the flow of the dialogue and knew how to ham it up you know they knew the flow of it so like it was it was reasonably acted for for it it, it delivered the gags you know it it, it delivered the material for, yeah. for what it's worth i mean the story's just a bunch of dead ends it's like there's intrigue with the cia investigating him and his niece who wants to break into the business and um, making these robot girls so people can, he's fight he has a scientist um oh buddy, yeah uh, um uh doctor uh uh where do I, I got it written down here it's it's a it's a sex name joke it's not doctor jerkoff doctor roxoff yeah doctor roxoff doctor roxoff jewish his, stereotype yeah, like um, super Jewish stereotype who talks very fast and aims his head away from the microphone, so it's very hard to tell. Well, even the director, saying. the director of the FCC, his um, his name is Fuller Sheet, <laughs> and Fuller Sheet, and and he's telling you know he's saying, hey, your show's gonna get canceled. Uh, we're gonna put my son in. His name is Bull Sheet, <laughs> and he's gonna be taken over because we. We need we need more you know we need people that have sticks we need people that have uh, you can't sex just can't be sex anymore because it's boring and and your show is losing ratings to our uh, our our you know our competition TV station K U N T and W H O R their ratings are dropping and 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 we're gonna have to replace you so as you said he is distraught about this you know so he gets over to he is only one person that can help him and it's dr roxoff now dr roxoff was the man who invented a pill this pill does the exact opposite of the sex suppression pill it you take this pill and you get horny it's like spanish fly right and and he's slipping it to all of his actresses as they come in to try and interview. He puts it, you know, here, have a glass of water, and then and they're all over the place. Then you get like 15 minutes of really hardcore sex, and then it comes back off. And and uh, and he's going to see this this scientist because man, he doesn't want to get fired. And the scientist talks like this, talks like the anteater from the, uh, from yes. the Panther cartoon. Let me tell you, I came up with something. It, it's incredible. It's it's an android made from new organic material. I call her the Sherman 69, fully functional. And and Sherman loves it. And of course, you know he wants a he wants a, a to sample the merchandise, and he does. But there's still a few bugs in this android. You know, one of the witches when they're finished sexy uh, having sex, he goes. I gotta go pee pee. <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, oh god. Um, and so uh, Sherman gets this idea that you know, screwing an android isn't against the law because it's not a real person. So he's got a big thing here, you know. You know, he produced these robots. He owes money to the mob. He can get his 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 bills paid off by producing these robots. And he sings a little song, zip-a-dee, zip-a-dee-doo-da, zip-a-dee-doo, 
with my robots anyone can screw <laughs> who needs tv who needs porn i'm gonna make a bunch of money and then you you, you think that show's gonna go off on that tangent but you know he still has five shows to make so at this um, point you're going Where's where this the going? Roller babies? Are the, are the robots yeah, where, gonna be the where roller, are roller babies? babies? I want my roller babies. Where the are only the thing, ro- the only roller skates at any point in this have been on on <laughs> Doctor Rocksoft, and and that's not the roller babies we wanted. Yeah, and the roller skates hasn't even they haven't even come on there yet. We do have a hint that our narrator says in the future, in the not too distant future, sex would be illegal. But well, there see, will well, be roller babies. Well, 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 we we have to mention that Doctor Rocksoft is on roller skates, and just his entire role, he's roll just. Oh, see, I thought for, he was only for on no roller reason, skates for his last roll. shot, because he had just invented these roller skates, these gyros that that you can't fall down. You know, if I missed it, I think the first time when he invented the Android, I'm not sure if he was on roller skates. He was skates. on roller skates. Was he? Remember, he was talking to him. He's like, I've got this invention. And he was circling around him. And he's like, hey, okay. still, you're making me dizzy. Yeah, God, no. God. For some reason, he was just a scientist on roller skates. Mm-hmm. I imagine that this is a series of in-jokes that these guys would all get wasted and make about each other that... that you know that because they're referring to Al Goldstein. This is the, I I have a feeling that this is packed with with stuff that's going to mm-hmm. make it, that that people in the industry are going to crack up over too. So yeah, we may have. So it's hard to it's it. hard to say. Like it's it really the plot. If you laid out all the details of the plot, you would think it was made. You know that there was a lot of like maybe cocaine involved in the. The whole idea of it or or not but it then well, again everyone, the time period this was sort of how comedy was written too it's just yeah you look at the first sex scene um where you know the girl comes in and he's telling her you know you've got to have a gimmick well her gimmick is to go to the supermarket and get a one of those cheap tubs of of ice cream <laughs> and and just pour it all over him pour it on his and dick blow that's him. The, that's was, that's some sex right there that's yeah, some I think, uh, I think it's pistachio i think it was pistachio ice cream it was green and i it's just a mess just a mess i've never really been into the whole pour no and, it, and, people, and then you think it's ice cream. cold it's ice cold and it's like okay well maybe getting a blowjob with ice cold ice cream the contrast is prop might be really intense whatever but she's just smearing and and, yeah. and and let's mention that almost everything that they eat or drink in this is blue, which I think is kind of, was yeah. was a nice it, little touch. And it was but, such cheap ice cream. It was it the was, cheapest one like you could garbage. buy. You know the kind that you would get for birthday parties and it'd be all air. And if and you it leave it out for just seconds. like twenty minutes, it turns it. into that gelatinous. So yeah, that I, I hated that ice cream. Yeah, I mean, I, when I tell people, kids that I work with now. You know, ice cream used to come in a box. What? What? 
Oh, it used to be in a square box. He used to open it up. Eh, I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, that's the type. It was cheaper than that. You could go one one. This was in this cheaper. was in a round pla- a, like yeah. a roundish plastic <laughs> tub that looks like a big version of the tubs that you would get your yeah. uh, Chinese soup in. Yeah, and then it goes on for for quite a while. It's just a mess. It it, it it's a mess. But but after he meets with the, with his. Uh, with Dr. Roxoff, and he shows her he has sex with the android, you know. A few kinks I've got to work out. Uh, he meets a, um, he still needs to have some people, you know, for his last four shows. Uh, and and this this was the probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Uh, it was the, the psychic girl who... Um, yes who actually can give a psychic blowjob and uh she gives mind she gives mind yeah and and she had a movie and it was called deep thought haha <laughs> and uh we're treated to uh you know a psychic hard on uh now i don't know if maybe it was reversed they reversed the camera or something but you know it's not something you expect to see well, that's what uh, I'm saying. This guy, the guy who plays uh, Stephen Frobish, he has usually the girls have to do, have to go out, out, go the extra mile sexually in a porn movie. The guys usually just got to stick stick his dick in things. But this guy had to. Ha- this guy had to maintain an erection with ice, cold ice cream being dumped on him. Then he had to do a whole sex scene. Which, if you really think about it, is just a sex scene of a naked guy sitting in a chair with his dick slowly getting hard and then ejaculating and then getting soft. Which is not really the porn scene that almost... That, I mean, <laughs> there's got to be a specific percentage, sliver of percentage of people who that's the hottest thing they've ever seen. But it's just... But, you know, it has sound effects and cutaways to her and stuff. But what you're really watching is just some guy sitting in a chair and his dick stands up and (laughs) squirts and then lays down. Yeah. And how do you do that on a set? (laughs) And I I never thought of it, but you're right. They probably they probably gave him they probably had a fluffer on him and then then filmed it, filmed it slowly, slowly going down. And then reversed it. That's probably what. The, but it didn't have that reverse no, feel it to it. It looked like it the guy actually pulled it off. And then to just have your erect penis sitting there and just start ejaculating. Yeah. That if, I mean, if it didn't have the. I, I don't know how they. I don't know if they had a fluffer on it and then she ran away or they cut <laughs> it like this, this. The this the frame that she got out of of the scene. They cut it into it and then. <laughs> I but think I, if he just, I like to think if, I would be able to catch the whole loop if they did it, kind of like the Tuscan Raider in Star Wars, where he yes. lifts up. He's like, you like to but, think that you'd be able to catch it, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, Jesus Christ! Imagine being a uh, porn actor and coming onto the set and they say, "Okay, today's the scene where you just have to get a direction on your own, ejaculate." That's okay. That's some okay. Yeah. School, no hands. No hands. Old dude. school just sit, cock control. You're just sitting in a chair because a woman's doing it with her brain off screen. She's holy yeah. shit. We we'll talk about pressure and <laughs> and and here is where where we agree that it's it's scenes like this that you could tell this guy had some comic book chops. Okay, 
here we are. I mean, this is like some oh, it's professor. X-Men. This is some Professor Xavier shit. <laughs> yes, okay? this is some totally X Men mind shit. You know, where he is giving, she's giving mind to this guy, uh, and you know, it's amazing. He goes, "Hey, you're hired. You're going to be on the show," uh, and and he takes her back to his place, and. And he goes into his futuristic free refrigerator, takes out a bottle of champagne, which has no cork, mind you. I mean, it, he just peels back the foil, and I guess there's no corks in the champagne in the future, or they couldn't afford champagne. And he slips her one of these horny pills, where she goes to give him like an old-school blowjob. But, but wait a minute, there's a problem. She turns out to be from the Vice Squad, and it's a setup, you know? And, and her name is Gumshoe. And she's with the CIA, the Carnal Intelligence Agency, and they've been tracking him because they know that he's having sex without a license. And she tells him he's being watched, but she says she's in love with him, you know? And he says, you know, get the hell out. She goes, well, I'm going to grind you into the into the dirt, and you know, we're going to be watching you everywhere you go. And But he roofied her, you know? And, and uh, the next scene... It comes totally out of anywhere. He gets a call from Dr. Roxoff, and he goes back to the laboratory, and there's the android girl, but she's pregnant. <laughs> she's got a huge belly, and 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 then the scientist is going, well, I guess I made her too real, and and so Sherman is freaking the fuck out. He doesn't want to go to jail. You know, you can't have sex. You can't have kids. You're you're gonna. He's gonna go to jail, and he says. Well, what are we going to do? Make her have an abortion. And uh, Dr. Roxoff looks at the camera and goes, I can't. She's Catholic. <laughs> Boing. But, know, and, um, and guess what? We never find out what happened after that because. Nope. Never. never we never go back to the pregnant. The, <laughs> the joke has been told. The punchline has been delivered, so we don't need that. So then, uh, then it's just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess the robots aren't going to be the roller babies. No, definitely <laughs> not. I'm saying, where are the roller babies? And we go back to his office, and the uh, the uh, the psychic blowjob girl, whose name is real name is Gumshoe, she's going through his stuff, and here's where it gets kind of rapey, you know? I mean, he walks in with the Kojak chick, and it's, what the hell are you doing? And and you know, Gumshoe, Gumshoe is trying to tell him that you know I really liked you and all that. And he goes, "I'll give you something I like." And and it gets rapey. I mean, it was surprisingly like, you know, it's it's the Kojak chick, and, uh, and surprisingly like the seventies. Yeah, you know, and and finally the Kojak chick slips what I think is one of the the pills into into her mouth, and from there everything is fine. And we're treated to about 10 minutes of hardcore <laughs> penetration, uh, you know, and, and finally he comes clean to her about. And I think she was the most attractive girl in the whole movie, really. I, I thought she was really pretty. But uh, and, and she he finally comes clean and says, you know what, I've been giving you these these pills that reverse the anti horny pills. And she goes, oh, I know I'm psychic. Remember, I really do love you. And and then. The Kojak chick has been sucking on a lollipop that contains the same medication, you know. Yeah, remember this and, is a nineteen-year-old yeah, kid she, writing yeah, this. And she's fine with it, you know. It's fine. They're all good with it after the whole. This is, this is thing. a nineteen-year-old in nineteen seventy-six writing this. That's why, you know. 
yeah, you know, and we still have to we still have to go back. They still need more sex. It's almost like okay, we got to put another sex scene in, and uh, and all of a sudden, the CIA is coming to get this chick. You know, and he comes, but she's psychic, so she knows, and and he's coming in the disguise of a camera repairman. And, you know, she asks him, hey, would you like a glass of water? Why, sure, we don't get water very much. And she slips the pill in there, and, of course, it's a threesome after that, and we're treated to another 15 minutes of, you know, sex and hardcore stuff. And and then, finally, we get back to uh, to Dr. Roxoff. Sherman goes to see Dr. Roxoff. Doesn't, you know, wants to know if he's fixed the android. We didn't hear anything else about the android being pregnant. But Dr. Roxoff says, yeah, I fixed it, but, you know, he's over budget. And now the androids are going to cost $6 million per android. And uh, and he says, hey, you know, finally, why are you skating around so much? He goes, well, I invented these skates with gyros and you can't fall. And that's where all of a sudden the bells go off in Sherman's head. And he says, okay, now, you know, I can, I can, I can make money off of this. And that's where you finally get to Roller Babies. You know, it's, it's a game show where four teams uh, compete against each other. And they're and and you have to mail in a postcard. They compete for other people, for contestants. And... It, it looks like it was filmed in a high school gym somewhere. I think it was filmed. I I think it was. It might. Yeah, you know, it probably was a because high it had that partition, gym. and they had this weird. The, the partition they, is what, but I I was thinking a hotel like. Oh yeah, like a convention room. But it but but, but why would but it but but uh but a gym would have but the gym had the right floor. This place had a floor to, that you could roller. It didn't have a floor like a convention center hall. Yeah, it, you're right. It was probably a gymnasium, and it had that that the partition like they had in a gym, and they just like doctored it up just to the. They couldn't even take the money to rent a roller rink for the day, you well, know, or the, maybe they couldn't find a roller rink that would let them have people fucking on skates in it or something. Right before the um the roller skating scene there was a quick flash of like a satellite or a space station or satellite floating through yeah. space and then a quick montage of all the sex scenes boom 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 and all of a sudden they're there i'm like what does this take place in space i don't know what the fuck is going on here what the fuck yeah, was that, that was all just, about? i guess that was to say they were transmitting the show or something <laughs> yeah okay I, they were transmitting the show um and you know each team does a routine uh, and they can't fall down because of these gyros on the skates. Oh, by the so, way, I think that was Skylab that he showed. Oh, it might have. Yeah, it I probably think it was, was Skylab. It, 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 I, it confused me. And they kept going back to the triangle, uh, gym, uh, triangle monkey bars and letting you know, hey, we're in the future here. Um, but but whoever wins this contest, the prize, it it. Uh, it just cracked me up. You get 10 filet mignon dinners and a pair of his and her uh, jumpsuits made completely of nylon worth $50,000. So that's what the prize uh, is. So, you know, uh, and then we see, you know, four couples, I think, 
Yeah, about I, ten, I, ten minutes of roller babying. Ten minutes of roller babying, and, and I'm not even sure if I, I think maybe some of the roller blowjobs maybe might have been real, maybe. Uh, but yeah, ten seconds of roller baby of roller babies on their gyro roller skates, you know, and uh, you get a couple of roller blowjobs and a couple of roller anal's, and the guy is talking about it, you know. You get a couple of. Uh, hang-ons, uh, all kinds of roller fucks, you know, and, and, you know, in the end, they, he shows this to the, to, um, to Ludwig van Drake, the, the head of the FCC, he loves it, you know, oh, we're gonna have this year, you got your job back, you're gonna make all kinds of money from him, and then, uh, Dr. Roxoff says, hey, I've got a new pill for you, it's a contraceptive, you know, you can't get pregnant. I'm just going, what the fuck Why? is this about? This is the future? And he's going, well, this is great. It's a happy ending now. Everyone can have sex. We don't have to worry about overpopulating the earth. And Sherman and Gumshoe, they get together. And, you know, he's he's uh, and, and he's saying, how and, and how did you get all the money to to put all this together? You know, you you were broke. And he goes, well, we have uh, Nito Corleone the Third over there, uh, and and it shows a shot of a of a you know a mustachioed Godfather get ripoff getting a blowjob, and he looks at Gumshoe and goes, "I made him an offer he couldn't refuse." And then the curtain closes. Yeah. Get about <laughs> ten minutes of roller babies, and. The least satisfying uh, part of the movie. It looks like to see girls rollerblading around, roller skating around with like splooge all over their faces, and and uh, well, but... right. That, that's the thing is, we watched the whole movie cracking up, but it's a porno movie, and in the seventies, even in regular movies, you you almost had the expectation that they would not deliver on their promises that was always just a big you know the promises on the poster and the title it would it would you know especially low budget movies yeah but but you know there were just always limitations so so you know i mean porno movies were like there's literally one scene where ludwig van drake just pops in and goes the preceding (laughs) scene had social relevance you know Because you had to show that you had social relevance in a movie to justify porn scenes at the time. So it was a joke on that. But, you know, it's the the, the, the expectation that like this was just going to be a full out acrobatic sex on roller roller skates, which it would be today if they made it. Yeah was but there was low expectations of delivering on it but i remember the initial viewing of this just everybody's shock of like that was it for roller babies (laughs) you know i thought the whole plot would be though there were 84 other little plots besides the roller babies leading up to the roller babies and then as soon as you get the roller babies they're sort of negated because everybody can have sex again and I, mean, I think <laughs> I was like, why did they even do the contraceptive thing? B- 
because you know it resolved just fine with the roller babies he's back in business he's got his tv show he's got his roller babies you know joke with the mob the end but i i, I think about like maybe the 19 year old marty pasco figured the real resolution of this movie and the, and god bless him isn't that that the producer is successful but that the world gets to fuck again you know yeah. and so you know that's that's really like it's it's almost a humanistic thing. it's not about the money it's the world once again gets to make sweet love but you know i mean it does not convey that it's just like look i invented this hooray we'll be rich you know yeah <laughs> i looked the at the poster and i was just yeah. like there's no but, roller baby. The poster is cool. I mean, I love the uh, 70s ev- writing up there and everything about this movie screams the 70s. So I, uh. you know, it's, it's highly enjoyable <laughs> on a kitschy level. It's highly enjoyable because it has actual funny jokes in it, and the, you know the low budgetness of it is extremely. You know, his top-rated TV show poster. Looks like it was made in like a seventh grade art class. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wrapped up and and scotch taped up on the wall. God bless him. It's it's just a riot to watch. Yeah, it it, it does scream seventies, and um, I guess it is. It doesn't even scream it. It emanates it like a like like a gravity well or something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's references to. Well, behind the green, you know, behind the green door and, and deep, throat, uh, deep throat and, and all of this, Linda Lovelace is yeah. named in there. And, and, uh, it, it's almost like they're making fun of some of the movies that were trying to be more serious. I don't, I don't know if that's really, oh, sure. it, it, it is, I mean, it is what it, it was is. writing. That, he was writing like mad magazine. So yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it was yeah. a, that, that sort of like, Hey, irreverent in jokes, you know? I mean, it's the type of porn movie that, like, anybody can make. You just need a couple of rooms, you know, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and a futuristic blue champagne or whatever the hell they're drinking. And some ro- roller cheap skates. Cheap ice cream. Hey, uh, go to the grocery store and grab me some mint chocolate chip. You don't have mint chocolate. You only got pistachio. That's fine. Bring pistachio. Anything, anything, you know? So yeah, you know, it was uh, it was fun. It's been a long time since we've we've uh, we've watched. Uh, uh, a movie like this one and I had no idea what to expect from it. I, you know, I really thought we were going to get, I thought it was going to be you know, Roller Babies. Roller man. Babies. I, yeah, I thought, I thought for sure it was going to be action and, but, but no, it, it was funny. I mean, it, it was, it is what it is. I, I, I like movies from it this adds time a period. lot to it when when you know that it was written by a, a comic writer, you know, and it's like yeah. uh, like somebody whose work you've read like yeah. a lot of. So then all of a sudden you're seeing it in that frame and it takes on a whole it, it adds a whole other level of charm to it. How many uh, comic cons do you think people walked up to him and asked him to sign a Roller Babies uh, poster? I'll bet it happened. I'll bet it happened every <laughs> once in a while. Either DVD, like the version I watched when it said it said like res, like enhanced version 2009, which means he got a print and like we we've turned the focus a little better on this print when we transferred it. I mean, so I really had to to dig deep in his um 
in his uh, biography to see that that he had written this. I'm not even sure if it was mentioned on the um, Wikipedia page. I think he had I, I if you hadn't told me that he wrote this, I think I would have had a hard time figuring. Oh, out if I hadn't that. seen that post by Robert Ward, I wouldn't have. Yeah, had yeah, idea. good old Robert Ward. Our, our number one fan we could always count because yeah i wouldn't i had no i mean you knew roller babies but did you know that uh that he had that he had written this before the, the uh the year that pasco had written this before the post or no that, no i no i had See, yeah. no idea i had zero idea when I saw it, I was just like, wrote a part, and then I saw it was Roller Babies, and it's like, oh my god, I've actually seen that, and I remember enjoying it. And then it was like, I mean, I, it was probably about three seconds before I was messaging you saying, guess what we're going to do? <laughs> <laughs> we got to do it. We got to. No, no, we uh, we definitely. It's sad that it's sad that we've been doing a and in, in the all the the podcasts that I record, we've been doing all these tribute. We just had to do a tribute to Stuart Gordon, the director of uh, like Reanimator and From Beyond for the the Honeywell experiment, and we're doing one for him for the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales. But it's boomers are getting that age. They're all getting in their late seventies. <laughs> But yeah, this was, I would have never have known. I mean, like I said, go ahead and take away my geek credit for, <laughs> for not, for not, um, being able to do a Michael Bailey and, and tell you every issue no, you that have, this guy you, was. You just have different things in your memory holes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, the, the, you know, you, like your 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 food your food me- yeah your food memory hole is is your is is full of stuff so you can pull stuff yeah. up from there that they that they, that they never would come there up you with go stuff. yeah uh, try and throw that in my try sure. and throw uh, try and throw what if number two in my face Paul and I'll give you the history of Montezuma and his let's, thirty cups of chocolate every let's, day let's and see his Paul Spataro and and Michael Bailey. Uh, pull off a coherent conversation on the career of Gregory Dark, you know? Yeah, we should fucking name this show Back to the Balls. Back just to, to the Balls. Just, just, to, just, <laughs> oh, just to rub it in their face. And oh, they're oh, super smart oh my God. Book, oh, my God. Book. Back to the Balls, the podcast where they w- rub one in. <laughs> <laughs> or rub one out. <laughs> no, it's if it goes back to the Balls, oh, you rub it in. Yeah, you got you to like, rub it. It's really, it's really repulsive if you start really thinking about like the, the visual image. But <laughs> yeah, you know, well, I'll now, show we, them. now we learn if anybody from Back to the Bins listens. Yeah, you know what? I'll show those guys. So tell me, what do you think on a scale of one to ten of of that movie? I'm gonna give it a a nine point five. You know, and I think the yeah, artwork. This- definitely on the poster was definitely a 10 you know show those guys in their comic book infinite knowledge i didn't watch a movie this week yeah <laughs> i'm gonna pour some more drinks just because they're so smart I, and i'm almost obsessed with the idea of back to the balls maybe <laughs> maybe maybe next maybe next april 1st we gotta release an episode of back to the balls because i am the 
I am the webmaster of TwoTrueFreaks.com, yeah, so let's, let's uh, an episode their... of Back to the Bins could just happen to show up in the big. Let's steal their intro. Let's steal their intro music. Oh, man. It's a good thing that we're plotting this publicly on our podcast. They'll never yeah, find yeah. out. They'll never know. They'll never know that we'll take over their whole. I'll show them their oh. issue number two of What If Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Don't show those guys. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Whatever happened to the Man of Steel? All right, I'll show them. What if? Their whole, what yeah. if Doctor Strange was a pimp? Yeah, yeah. What if? What if you know Thor didn't get his hammer and his girlfriend, whatever the fuck her name, got what it? If what Thor's if Thor's dick it, was his hammer? Yeah, the no kidding. Should you all know? be balls. Everything in the in in the episode should be balls. Yeah, what issue did? Uncle Ben get the spider powers instead of Spider-Man. And On a scale of one to ten, yeah. I give this eight balls. Yeah, eight balls. <laughs> definitely eight balls, you know. Definitely. Yeah, I've got it in my long box. <laughs> <laughs> so there. You can you can wrap your 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 comics in plastic. I'll just wrap my pecker in plastic and I'll be <laughs> be happy as happy as hell. Bag it and board it, baby. Acid-free bag and board my cock, all right? And I'll put it in my long box and slab it there. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) It won't take up nearly as much space. Well, it will take up a lot of space. Maybe not right now, but but when it's ready, it'll take take up up a lot of space. space. Damn it, you know. (laughs) I can't even move. (laughs) God, I hate those guys and their damn comic book knowledge you know all the characters and Dude, like funny books and, encompassing comic knowledge. And, yeah. I don't even have the heart to tell them that their best show was the one they did about Bugs Bunny cartoons but I'll never tell them that that's a great they, show yeah and they won't listen to this so I'll tell them that the best thing they ever did was that Bugs Bunny show that hilarious had me cracking up for two days but i won't let them know that that show that show was hilarious and it's (laughs) funny and i've noticed that other that like other people other people listen to back the bins like keep bringing up that show and posting looney tunes stuff so they got to do a they got to do a um follow-up to that that's, maybe, that's we'll just, maybe we'll just do that because I because you know that's one thing everybody can know. That's know. the thing is there's so many Looney Tunes that like almost every like if every podcast did their Looney Tunes thing we could st- we could just only like Ugh. I remember once there was a book I it was in the 90s I saw that was just basically a list of all the Looney Tunes cartoons in in uh, I I. I, I don't know if it, I, I I believe it was in chronological order, and it was just insane. It was just an impossible amount of, <laughs> you know, probably like three quarters of them aren't even on any medium anymore. You know, were never like collected or shown on the TV. Oh, you know, I know. so it's like it's but yeah, that's I besides mean, the point. I might not know Superman, but I know who Michigan J Frog was. Damn it, you know. Mm. And I can tell you, this time I didn't forget the gravy. So there. You know which movie featured the fucking suck show? <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. Doctor Rocks off. So. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. And then with that, now I'm afraid it might be the bourbon talking because I'm uh, 
it's a good thing that I am a very, very funny and not a mean drunk. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that was an enjoyable, an enjoyable yes. back to Beat It Roots. Um, yes, I don't think I've had, I've watched a really enjoyable porn like that. I was like, we, I'm watching a movie since, uh, but since, not since um, Giant Girl the Smashes devil and Toy Jones. Train. Yeah. Huh? Not since a giant girl smashes toy train have I had yeah, so yeah, much okay, fun. Okay, okay, yeah. Watch. I mean, there's there's <laughs> a, those occasional short clips, but I mean like watching a like 90, oh, yeah. minute, 90 minute story porn. The last one was like the, the Dark Brothers stuff. Oh yeah, the last stuff, one was the Dark the, the Dark Brothers stuff. That, those, uh, are always, that I did. those are always entertaining to watch. Oh, it was. And um, who knows what we're going to we don't even our, know. We don't even know. No. We don't even know what, what we're going to pull out of our of our magic hat. Uh, for, <laughs> that's for, not for, where for, I thought it was going. But that's yeah, I, I had to stop myself. Yeah, because uh, I have enough trouble pulling out. I always did. But uh, we're, we don't know what we're going to hit you up with next month. But rest assured, it's, it's going to be good. It, it always is. Yes. And in the meantime... We're going back to the ball. Yeah. Bag that and board it. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.